Hey, awesome people who listen to this podcast. Thank you again. And in today's episode, I want to talk about something that came up with one of my um, coaching clients recently. And it's it's about being called a picture thinker, but feeling a lot of the time that you're, you can't see your pictures. How can you be a picture thinker if you don't think in pictures all the time? You know, isn't that the point of dyslexia? Let me get into that and explain a bit more. Okay, everyone, hope you're going super well, and let's dive into this one. This is a big topic. Now, what you'll find with a lot of these episodes, especially if you're new to the podcast, we're getting a lot of new listeners. I do go around a bunch of different topics from different angles to help it actually embed in your head. Now, this is one I've touched on in in previous episodes using different stories, different examples, but it's so powerful. It's an important one to get your head around. And it's the concept that a right brain thinker, dyslexic person, is a picture-driven thinker. We're visual thinkers. We think with visual thoughts over symbolic text. Now, with that, I get a lot of questions about that. You know, they go, people go, but I have words running through my head. I have internal dialogue. I have a, a like, it feels like I've got an angel and a devil on my shoulder sometimes and the words are streaming through my head so I am talking to myself in words does that mean I'm not dyslexic does that mean I'm not a picture thinker and it the answer is um, no that doesn't mean you're not a picture thinker I just give you an example I don't sit here and what's happening is I'm just getting pictures flashing into my head Picture, 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 picture. It doesn't work like that. And, you know, what we find a lot with um, the left brain world and and even right brain is trying to use words, we sometimes mix it up. And picture thinkers is actually a really poor name, in my opinion, because, you know, it's it's not actually what we what happens, really. It's more like, you know, it's more that we're driven by visual movies of what's happening. So So events that have happened in our past, when we recall an event... We recall it very visually and emotionally. So you're like, do you remember that time as a kid where you where you first got to school and into class? You know, I can picture that very easily. And it's not it's more than just a picture, it's a moving picture. I can actually travel around, and this isn't the same for everyone, but I can actually travel around parts of my primary school when I was five. I can see classrooms, not every detail, but I can make it up. I can see the tree that we used to sit under outside school. I can see things where I had an emotional visual connection. I remember I wrote a creative story once and I can kind of travel around that and look at the cupboard where I got to pick the sticker that I got to choose when I was the top creative writer in class. You know, that's pretty powerful for a dyslexic when you're the best creative writer. When the teachers just ignored all of your spelling mistakes and gone, there's a lot of creativity in here. <laughs> it's a good moment. But it's, um, I can see that really visually and spatially. I can move around. It's one of my dyslexic um, specialities, shall we say. Um, and so the, the benefit of it is that's kind of how your mind works. It's very, very visual. Now, the, the challenge is, is that we do still talk to ourselves. You know, and you've been trained all your life in words. You know, very few dyslexics were picked up very young and they go, actually, you know, words are not going to be your skill set. We're going to go fully down this visual path and we're just not going to teach you language. Um, We're going to teach you how to draw really well so you can get across your point in pictures. You know, that doesn't happen, does it? You know, the world has agreed one way or the other to use words to communicate. 
um, to write. So use writing as the core the core metric. We didn't stick with hieroglyphics, which would have helped us, but it didn't work that way. So we've got to kind of we've got to kind of realize that you know we all talk, we all have internal dialogues going on. That is not the defining point of the dyslexic mind. What it comes down to is dyslexia is on a spectrum, and it's where your brain finds it easier to operate. Now, there's a guy called Donald Miller who I got a bit of this concept off of is your brain is trying to save energy at every single moment. You know, that's its goal. It wants to save time, wants to save energy, save kilojoules. Just in case a tiger starts chasing you, it wants as much energy available to, to deal with it. So your brain is going to naturally lean on things that it finds easier and simpler to do. So our brains make it's a lot easier to picture things, to, to use our imagination, to, to daydream, to normally dream, to do all of that. You know, um, that's where our, where our minds go. So that's where our, our heads lead to. Rather than thinking in words or symbols, that's where our brains would rather be. So it's very important to kind of click onto that as, you know, you're going to lean a certain way. Now, some of us lean a lot more visually than others. Some of us don't even recognize that we're leaning visually because um, we try and communicate it. But it's also where our communication challenges come from is we are leaning visually even though we don't see it because our pictures are so quick or our movies are so quick. Um, we, don't, we go, oh, I'm not a picture thinker. But then we struggle to communicate what we're trying to say because what we're trying to do is convert those visuals into words, which is not natural for us and thus communication issues. And that's a whole nother podcast. But what I wanted to um, touch on today around this whole topic, um, which is more important than anything, I think, is understanding the emotional connection to our visual thinking. So as picture thinkers, as visual thinkers, as movie thinkers, whatever we want to call it today, doesn't really matter. You know what I'm trying to say. That visual side is a very emotive side. And because our brains are so powerfully visual, we have all this emotion connected to the visuals in our mind. And this is the real aha moment that I've had, and I hope might, might sink in for you, is that imagine if your visuals are working so quick, your visual mind is going so quickly, and what's happening is you can't actually see everything that's going through your mind because the visual mind is so much, so much quicker, especially on autopilot, like when our subconscious takes over. All it does is it spits out the emotional reaction to those visuals. You don't see what's happening in your mind. It's going boom, 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 boom. And what comes out the other end is emotion, emotion, emotion. You know when something's happening and you just feel this anxiety in the pit of your stomach or you feel, you feel this uh, tension or maybe you feel this happiness when something happens and you can't connect it to anything. You can't connect that emotional driver, that emotional feeling to anything that's happening in the real world. What's usually happening is your brain is recalling something. And sometimes you can't see that something, sometimes you can catch it. And that is giving you that emotional feeling. And so many of us, you know, we're in anxiety. We get this, this emotional visual comes in for whatever reason. And, and it's annoying because we can't always see it. I can't always see it either. And boom, the emotion hits you. And your body goes, okay, it then goes back into the visual mind. This is the kind of process I see. And it goes, what can I use to, what can I use to solve this feeling of anxiety? What can I do to change my internal state? And then nine times out of 10, it picks an external habit or issue. So it's going, you've built in 
having a beer. You've built in eating a snack. You've built in this to solve that problem. Some people have have um, have better triggers, like a lot of people like to run. You know, I'm starting to try and build in meditation or moments of meditation more and more and more. It's a long process, but it's it's starting to select that over doing a negative behavior. But our visual mind is, can you kind of see this this pattern, this habit? It's kind of like something happens, triggers this anxiety, and we don't even know why. We think, and then we try and associate it with something in the in the environment, but we can't always, we can't see anything wrong in the environment. So we either have to make up a correlation. So that adds another thing that might trigger that emotion, even though that emotion wasn't initially triggered by it. And it becomes this massive looping process of us just getting this anxious feeling. And, you know, if you imagine us going through school and creating these emotional visual associations for so many things we were told we were wrong, we made a mistake, we made a mistake. You know, you can imagine how this loop cycle just goes and goes and goes. Um, and, and, you know, the big, the big realization here is because our minds are so quick, we are much less likely to be able to see what's given us that emotional trigger. Does that make sense? And when we can't see it, our brains are so quick, they want to associate that emotion with something. And a lot of the time we associate it with the wrong thing. I hope that makes sense. I wonder if, you, if that's landing with you. Do you get the feeling or the sense that that makes sense in the way I've said it? You know, have you had those experiences where that emotional feeling just goes, Phew, and you're like, oh, it must be this that's happening. I mustn't like this TV show, or I mustn't like what's happening in this moment. And it can be tiring. You know, it's really tiring. And, you know, what I would recommend is if you are, if you, if you are relating to this, if this is resonating, if you feel that vibration of, sheesh, he's, he's got a point here, um, you know, what I would recommend is, is starting to create tools that you can override the system. So one of the things I've been using recently is using my visual mind to create a calm scene. And it, for me, I think I've mentioned it's, it's a beach and water. So when I'm uncalm, the water's choppy. And what I do in my head is I take sometimes two seconds, sometimes 20 seconds to just focus on that and see the water becoming calm and to a point where it's this that most beautiful calm um, you know calm water where there's not even a wave it's like a lake but in an ocean it's just beautiful and I'm finding that using that as a trigger to change it so what I'm basically doing is when my brain goes down these visual part visual rabbit holes I'm actually deciding to override it and go actually I'm not going to go down that visual place today I'm going to picture this and I'm going to start to build in again and again and again this because the emotional reaction to me thinking of of the beach and the water is calm in my stomach and my stomach is where I feel my anxiety in my body so by doing that it relaxes me and it's odd I've been using it I've used it for a long time but I've started to really pick it up in the last little while with all this crazy lockdown stuff and I'm starting to really notice the benefit of it now there are a lot of times I miss it and forget to do it and that's okay that's just life but when I do catch it what it's doing is that's building another experience into my visual data bank going this worked so I'm more likely to draw on it automatically next time and every time I consciously install it I'm more likely to subconsciously install it 
Does that make sense? This is a deep podcast. It's deeper than I thought it would be. Hopefully you're enjoying it. So um, <laughs> that's, that's what I wanted to share today. Have a play. There is no right or wrong about what your happy place is. You know, you may have heard it called your happy place. It's a really powerful thing for us. Create a happy place. Make it sure it connects to an emotional, positive emotional experience. And then bring that happy place back. Overwrite the stuff you can't even see you're overriding. Just override it. And override it. And override it. And what happens is once, you know, conscious goes to subconscious. It's really important to remember that. Your conscious visuals will build into your subconscious visuals if they're done enough. Hopefully that makes sense. Any questions, just shout out. You can find me on Adult Sexier Secrets, the group. Um, if you're looking at coaching, you know, you know you can always jump out to me. I'm starting to focus a lot more on entrepreneurs, people wanting to start a business and want coaching as a dyslexic, and people that are already in business that want to step it up a bit. I'm finding those people I relate to very well. The tools I use personally work really well for them and help them get out of where they're stuck in their business. And you can find a bit more about it on rightsiders.org. Have an epic rest of your day, guys, and I'll be back tomorrow.